You are listening to You Are Not Broken, the only podcast that combines science, medicine, and psychology to re-educate your brain and help you live your best love life. And I'm your host, board-certified female urologist, Dr. Kelly Casperson. Hey friends, welcome back. Today is episode 174, which is incredible. And I figured, what better episode to talk about the different types of vibrators than episode 174? I I think I'm just getting more confident about this and getting so much awesome feedback and the podcast is growing, but I literally cannot imagine making an episode about vibrators like prior to episode 174. Like to me, I, I would have been like too worried about judgment and like, oh my gosh, am I actually this person who does an episode on vibrators? And now I'm like, why, why, why wouldn't I do an episode on vibrators? Oh my God. So point being, when you podcast and when you grow your platform, you get more confident. You just get better at it or you just do stuff every week. And then you're like, yep, we need an episode about vibrators. So here we are. So Thank you to everybody. I actually heard from somebody DM me this week from Bolivia. So shout out to you. Um, Love hearing from everybody. As you know, on my Instagram, that's where I am the most. My TikTok's a baby TikTok. Kelly Casper's an MD over there too. But Instagram's pretty big. I actually think I had my first, I don't know the definition of viral, but I think I had my first viral reel this week, which was super interesting because the topic was vaginal estrogen being a bladder medication, which I say every single day in my clinic because these women come in and they're like, I'm not sexually active. And I'm like, no, 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 it helps urgency, frequency, and dysuria, which is burning with uh, voiding, and it decreases recurrent UTIs. The uh, American Urologic Association just came out with an updated, an update to their 2019 guidelines on recurrent UTI. And basically they say you could suggest long-term antibiotics and you could suggest cranberry uh, and they basically say you can recommend vaginal estrogen. So vaginal estrogen got a higher uh, higher wording than both prophylactic antibiotics and cranberry in my new reading of the updated guidelines to the AUA uh, review on recurrent UTI. Uh, grade evidence B, meaning, meaning we have multiple studies now showing the um, help that vaginal estrogen gives to people with recurrent UTIs. You do not need to be sexually active to have vaginal estrogen. The The anterior wall of the vagina and the bladder share a wall. So I just say it's bladder medicine. And so anyways, that was my reel that got uh, air quotes viral. So thanks to everybody for sharing that. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the amazingness that happened in the membership this week. I am doing five podcast interviews between last week and this coming week, and they're all live. Members can come in, type their questions. It's a really fun format, and then they get the interview right away. So like the three interviews I did this past week um, are amazing. One's with Carrie Leff, Dr. Carrie Leff. One is with um, Dr. Becky Lynn. And then the other one is with the amazing Vanessa and Xander Marin from Pillow Talks podcast. So those are going to be all loaded up, already available in the private membership without any, without any anything, ads or anything like that. And that'll probably be like another, another months before they actually come out in the edited form that you guys are all hearing. So head over there if you want premium content and to actually sit in and listen to my interviews, which is super fun. The other thing I put in that private membership this um week was a uh, new hot off the press vulvovaginal atrophy booklet. I've been working on a question and answer vulvovaginal booklet. So it talks about like 
questions and answers, what it's good for. I put in the excerpt from my book where I talk about general urinary syndrome and menopause. And then in the in the end of it, I say like how to talk to your doctor about it. Because I think a lot of people are intimidated to want to ask for something that maybe their doctor is not all that comfortable with. So I have put some like tips and tricks in there for that. So come on over to the membership. One thing I got about the membership this week was somebody was like, there's too much in there. It's overwhelming, which was really good feedback because I'm like, I'm like, I never have enough in there. I need to put more in there. So you, it's good to get some feedback, but the membership is meant to be not be overwhelming, to go in, just get what you need, consume what you want. And I think so many women, they put so much pressure on themselves. Like, oh my gosh, it's too much. It's like, no, 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 no. Just come, take what you need. It's all there. And people come for different reasons, right? Like some people really want to come for the menopause stuff. Some people really want to come for the sex stuff. Some people really want to come for the personal empowerment stuff. So it's there for y'all. And don't feel bad if it's it's too much. Just don't consume all of it. Love you. The next group coaching, I do live group coaching monthly for my members. The li- next uh, live group coaching is going to be September 1st. So join now so you can get the link to that. And then when people write in on Instagram and ask questions, I don't, I am not your doctor. I cannot give you medical advice. I do, I'm not a practicing physician via Instagram, but I take a lot of those questions and I, I, it's too much now to like even answer them generically on Instagram. So I save them and I usually will run through a bunch of questions for the live monthly podcast. So if you want to make sure you get, you know, your question or even come on and talk, that is only available to the private members. They get the link and the actual like date and time for the monthly podcast, which will then be published in the public podcast. So come on over, you guys. I love to see you in there. It's growing and it's fun. And I just got this really big box. I have not done an Instagram on it yet. I just got this really big box from Astroglide with tons of products. So I'll probably be, once I can find some time, I'm going to send some to my members because what else am I going to do with a big box of Astroglide products? Like one woman cannot consume all of this lube. So this article came out. The first thing I want to do before I get to the vibrators, the first thing I wanted to do was read part of this article that just came out in the Urology Journal, um, literally this month, 2022. And it talks about Princess Marie Bonaparte. She was a fascinating person. And I'm just going to read it to you guys. So if you want to see the full, you might actually need a subscription to the Urology Journal. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the authors of this are Samuel Donfelt, Alexander Stanfield, and Jessica Hammett did this kind of history article. There's a lot of history of medicine articles in the Urology Journal, also called the Gold Journal for the people in the know. Um, urology has like two journals. We have the Journal of Urology and then we have Urology. So this is the gold journal, which is called Urology. So here you go. The great grandniece of Napoleon Bonaparte, 1769 to 1821. Princess Marie Bonaparte, 1882 to 1962. So she is the great grandniece of Napoleon Bonaparte. Dedicated her career and body to the study of the female orgasm a respected psychoanalyst and contemporary of Sigmund Freud, who lived from 1856 to 1939. Bonaparte helped develop and then underwent the urogynecological surgery known as the Halbin-Narjani procedure. This procedure, in which the clitoris is surgically relocated more proximally to the vagina, I'm just expecting like a jaw drop from all you guys right now, like wasn't expecting that. Clitoris surgically relocated more proximally to the vagina to produce orgasm by vaginal penetration, which ultimately proved unsuccessful. 
Today, researchers recognize the female orgasm to be a complex interplay of psychological, anatomical, and physiological responses. One meta-analysis notes that only 25% of women achieve orgasm via vaginal penetration alone. You guys should all know that if you've been following my podcast. If not, welcome. Others report that 15.1% climax during unassisted intercourse. Unassisted intercourse meaning without specific clitoral stimulation. Nevertheless, Bonaparte's pioneering ideas coupled with their reception highlight the historically ambivalent attitudes towards female sexual climax. This is why I need to read you guys this article. It's amazing. Okay, Bonaparte's arranged marriage to Prince George of Greece and Denmark helped develop her views on intimacy and orgasm. Her husband, whose sexual orientation was homosexual, was involved in a long-standing affair with his uncle. Describing her wedding night, when her husband came to her room, he was coming from his uncle Waldemar's. You took me that night in a short, brutal gesture, as if forcing yourself, and apologized. I hate it as much as you do, but we must do it if we want children. While the two were wed for 50 years, seven, sorry, 1907 to 1957, and had two children together, Bonaparte approached several physicians to help her achieve climax during this time. Finding their solutions lacking, she became obsessed with determining the cause of her, air quotes, dysfunction. Sigmund Freud, her contemporary, theorized that clitoral stimulation was immature in relationship to a woman's age. Moreover, as a woman matured, the pleasure center would shift from what he deemed the castrated phallic organ, the clitoris, towards the reproductive organ, the vagina. Bonaparte developed the divergent opinion that the clitoris was relevant for sexual satisfaction independent of age. Bonaparte hypothesized the sole determinants of orgasm was the physical distance from the clitoris to the center of the urinary meatus. Bonaparte then measured this length in 200 women, including her own, cross-referencing her data with participants' self-reported ability to orgasm through intercourse, she theorized that a distance of 2.5 centimeters or less was the ideal for attaining climax through penetration. Given the bias against women publishing in medical journals, she published her observations under the pseudonym A.E. Narjani in Bruxelles Medical. Although the data could not be statistically analyzed as the tools to do so had not yet been invented, her conclusions were deemed as statistically likely as any other theory. Interestingly, in 2011, a pooled aggregate of this data with another similar study performed in 1940 did find an inverse relationship between this distance and orgasm during intercourse. To prove her theory, Bonaparte sought the help of an Aust Austrian biologist surgeon, Joseph Halban, to develop a urogynecological procedure to achieve orgasm through intercourse. The Halban-Narjani procedure consisted of severing the suspensory ligament of the clitoris and implanting it closer to the vagina. She underwent this procedure three times between 1927 and 1931, none of which were successful. Five additional women underwent the operation, two lost a follow-up, two experiencing no change in their sexual response, and one improving somewhat, but only while her surgical site was healing from an infection. Once the surgical site was healed, she no longer reported orgasm from intercourse. You guys, side note, keep in mind, this was before, this is surgery before antibiotics and excellent anesthesia. So this is what happens when dogma is orgasms happen by putting penises in the vagina. Thank you. Sigmund Freud. 
Sigmund Freud, again, thinking that the adult way to orgasm was via vaginal and the infantile way to orgasm was via clitoris. I digress. I go back to the article. Here we go. Following her operation, A.E. Narjani, same person as Marie Bonaparte, published that this cohort, however, all had positive results. That's not very ethical. She would never repudiate her work academically. Subsequently, Masters and Johnson in 1966 disproved the theory of clitoral relocation for improved orgasm during penetrative intercourse and advocated for psychotherapy as the primary method for women to achieve orgasm. During the mid-20th century, it was then... So basically, guys, like, if it was, if you couldn't have an orgasm via the vagina and then you couldn't move your clitoris to the vagina because that wasn't good either, now you just needed psychotherapy. We're still ignoring the, the, the clitoris people. Okay. During the mid-20th century, it was then fiercely debated whether the clitoris or vagina was the primary driver of female sexual satisfaction. After studying with Freud, Bonaparte began to argue that psychoanalytical development and intervention, not clitoral location, was the major factor contributing to the ability to orgasm. This was reflected in her 1932 paper, which largely was a repetition of Freud's concepts on women's sexuality and what he deemed the dark continent of psychology. Bonaparte's influence transcended medicine. In 1909, she commissioned the artist to sculpt her portrait. So this guy sculpted her portrait and it basically ended up looking like a phallus, a penis. And, but he was like, no, 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 that's her head and her breasts. And everybody else is like, no, that's like a penis and testicles. So this is just a fat, and it goes on again to talk about art and basically how art representing women uh, was very phallic centered art. And people are like, no, 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 that's a woman. And they're like, no, 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 you just, you just drew a penis. But I wanted to um, lay out for people how it didn't come easy, pun intended, that like the clitoris was the female penis. Like the clitoris is what needs to be stimulated. And we still struggle this day and age to understand that, address it, pay attention to it. My favorite quote from Rachel Rubin, urologist extraordinaire, is like, it's like stroking a guy's scrotum and expecting him to have an orgasm is the same thing as putting something in the vagina and expecting you to have an, an orgasm. So scrotum is to vagina, clitoris is to penis. If you're in peri or postmenopause and think your hair and skin look unhealthy, you're not imagining it. Menopause naturally affects your hair and skin. Hormone changes can affect appearance years before and long after menopause. Sylvessa is the first comprehensive system designed to restore and protect hair and skin affected by estrogen decline. The Sylvessa system is designed to restore the collagen and nutrients impacted by declining estrogen, improving the appearance of your hair and skin today and protecting against future damage tomorrow. Formulated with hyaluronic acid to visibly improve skin texture and reduce fine lines and wrinkles. Give Sylvessa by Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com slash notbroken and use promo code notbroken. That's hello, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E dot com slash notbroken and code notbroken for 20% off at checkout. For best prices and free shipping, go directly to the hellobonafide.com slash notbroken website. This is their best offer anywhere, so check it out and use promo code notbroken. So I just thought it was fascinating. Like this is what women did was they, they were like, we can't say that the clitoris, because Freud said that it wasn't okay. It was infantile, right? So instead of like trying to fight for that, we're just going to surgically relocate the clitoris closer to the vagina to like fit 
the acceptable paradigm of the day. At least we've moved beyond surgery, but I still think so many women think there's something wrong with them. And a big reason for this, you guys, is when do women have orgasms in movies? Women have orgasms in movies when the penis penetrates the vagina. And usually, like, uh, immediately or, like, you know, very shortly after immediately. So get moving on. This is why vibrators are important. Vibrators are your friend. Vibrators are technology. Vibrators help women orgasm. If you want women to want more sex, you need to have them enjoy sex. Vibrators help women enjoy sex. We have multiple data saying that women who use vibrators and can ask for what they want in the bedroom have better relationships, better better sexual satisfaction, so many things. So really working, you know, I think there's a lot of heterosexual couples where the woman's really worried about hurting the guy's ego. But it's like, are you worried about orgasmic inequality, right? Do you want to address it? And you cannot, other myths, you cannot get addicted to your vibrator. There's no such thing. You can get uh, interested in having a efficient orgasm or a, the, a, a deep orgasm, like an intense orgasm, right? But you won't get addicted to it. You might, you might develop a preference, right? Which can be changed, but you won't get addicted in the physiologic sense. So this um, next section on different types of vibrators was inspired by Dr. Milhouse's recent Instagram post where she talked about all these. So I wanted to um, bring them up and run through them and kind of give you a little bit of my opinion. So number one, I think the OG of what we need to start with is the magic wand style. Hitachi magic wand is a brand name and it's been around for over 30 years. It is marketed as a personal massager as were many vibrators for women back in the day, but it'll you'll still see it marketed as a personal massager. The highest quality is it's plug-in, right? So in this, in this time of like, you know, battery and USB charging and chargeable and stuff like that. Like it is still, you still have to plug this into a wall. It's that, it requires that much power. And there's tons of knockoffs on Amazon. So the the original Hitachi Magic Wand, which I think is now rebranded as like original Magic Wand, is um, they basically say on the website, if you pay, they, they literally will not sell this for less than 74 US dollars. So if you are paying less than that, you're buying a knockoff because the ones on Amazon look a heck of a lot like, like I, I literally looked this up and the ones on Amazon are called magic wands. And they look like it, they're white, they've got blue stripes around them. They look like it, but they're cheaper. And they said, if you buy that, it's not gonna be as powerful. So this thing, I, I've never, personal uh, TMIs, I've never actually used one of these. But I like, I should buy one just so I know what people are talking about. But apparently you can like turn it on through your clothes and have an orgasm. It's very, very um, powerful. For women who have never had an orgasm um, and kind of don't know where to start, the magic wand can be useful because it doesn't require any penetration. Again, you can use it with clothes on. Um, it's just very powerful vibration that can lead the pelvis to orgasm. Betty Dodson, the famed Betty Dodson, whose job was to, her mission, her calling, her life's work, was to teach women how to have orgasms, um, did a course, I think she did a course on like masturbation and the magic wand. So you can like look up Betty Dodson and some of her work. If you are struggling with 
having an orgasm or wondering if it is an orgasm or what techniques to have an orgasm, Betty Dodson and her work is awesome. Okay, so that was number one, Magic Wand Style. There's And again, there's a bunch of other companies, mostly that they're smaller and they're cheaper and they're rechargeable, but like the OG is the Hitachi Magic Wand Personal Massager. Okay, number two, classic penetrative vibrators. Um, these look, they're phallic. They will look like a dildo. Difference between a dildo and a vibrator is a vibrator has electricity and has vibrations. Uh, they can look interchangeable. You can use a vibrator as a dildo. Dildo just means like a non-electric, doesn't have a, a vibrator. So very phallic in appearance, great for penetrative pleasure. Again, the vibration through your vagina can target the clitoral bulbs that wrap around the side walls of the vagina, right? So if you have pleasure from vaginal intercourse, you're either providing stretch or vibration, even if you're not directly stimulating the clitoral head, uh, you're providing stimulation to the clitoral bulbs and crura vibration or stretch, which is very, very pleasing. The classic penetrative vibrators can have a curve on them. They can kind of curve up. They're meant to curve up anteriorly, usually marketed as a G-spot uh, vibrator to get to get the anterior vaginal wall. The clitoral urethral, uh, periurethral complex is kind of where the location of the female prostate is. Uh, for women who squirt, that's the location. So a lot of women not don't like the straight up straight penetrative vibrators, but the ones with the curve on them, G, the G-spot marketed ones. Now, I think you throw G-spot on your vibrator and you can raise the price by 20 bucks. I think there's a marketing thing to it. Kind of like if you buy napkins and then you label like wedding <laughs> napkins or like, you know, 30% more. Um, but that's what the curved ones are for. They're, they're meant to curve up. Okay, number three, clitoral vibrators. So these focus directly on the clitoral head, usually. Um, some have a little bit of suction. The, the, what they, the, the companies like to call them is an air pulsation um, vibration. Um almost kind of doing like a rhythmic high-speed oscillation. These are amazing. I think the best in class is the We Vibe Melt, um, but there's lots of different brands. They're very intense, you guys. Like some people don't like these because it's like a light switch orgasm and it's almost like more, it almost feels more like mechanical than like sexual because you're just like put it on, boom, within a, like, less than a couple of minutes you're like and I just had an orgasm it felt awesome but like there wasn't any like build up to it it just happened so fast so if, if, if too fast can be a bad thing these clitoral vibrators are like I need to have the people on who like invented this I would love to talk to the first person who was like oh yeah I made that and now there's like all these different companies that do it they're amazing you can use them while your your partner penetrates you um, so that can be kind of that clitoral stimulation you're looking for when you are um, having coupled heterosexual sex or not heterosexual, coupled sex. So clitoral, I think everybody should get one of these. And again, they're not all created equal. Feel free. This is what you shouldn't do. Buy one sort of vibrator, not like it, and then never try again. Like I think most sexually satisfied people probably have like five or six. I don't know. Um, so interesting side note. It was illegal to own multiple vibrators in Texas. And then somebody busted somebody at like a sex party, like sex toy party, like a Tupperware party, but for sex toys. And then they realized like, we shouldn't just be busting good citizens who are like kindergarten teachers. We should allow more vibrators 
to be owned without without calling it like trafficking sex or whatever the illegal is so now you can own correct me i need somebody from texas to correct me you can own like three or five vibrators in texas without breaking the law so you everybody should own at least as many vibrators as is legal in texas is the point um i like the high grade silicone um it just feels more like skin i think the hard plastic it's cheaper i think hard plastic can be a little harsh to the touch um so I would, those are things you're going to pay a little bit more for the silicone ones, but I think they're worth it. So the next one, number four, dual vibrators, also known as the rabbits. So they can do the clitoral vibration um, and then also vaginal penetration. Also, they have the ones that are clitoral air suction devices with the penetration. So lots of people really love these. They're very um, tried and true ways to have an orgasm. But again, some people think it's too much stimulation. Number next, let's see, this is number five, is the bullet vibrators, small discrete vibrators. Um, they kind of look like a lipstick case, chapstick size. They have, who makes it? Off the top of my head, I forget. But somebody makes one that's like a necklace, kind of looks like a dog whistle necklace. Um, they can come in metal. They can come in plastic. So not everybody's favorite these are kind of like if you were like what do people usually start with i think people usually start with bullet vibrators because they're not super intimidating as far as like big and phallic looking or you know direct clitoral stimulation number six couples vibrators so this is anything that you can use during partnered sexual activity um couple options here there is one that um you can kind of hold in the vulva what is that one called it's called the eva eva vibrator everybody googles why they do podcasts right dame products makes the eva eva and i don't love it i think it's actually very hard to hold in in your um vulva but it's a wearable couples vibe for hands-free fun uh about 135 dollars on their website right now it comes in four colors waterproof medical grade silicone um but so basically you like you kind of tuck it in the vulva while your partner penetrates you so it kind of sits between the vagina that's being penetrated and your clitoris i think it's hard to hold in and distracting but god bless some people love it not my favorite other color of other couples vibrators uh, tend to be more like strap-ons so you put them around the uh penis in a in a heterosexual couple um so many diff different options, which I, I mean, I love the fact that they're marketing couples vibrators because I think it really normalizes the idea that women need more than just the penis to have an orgasm. Um, it also normalizes the idea that a man can still be involved while a woman is using a toy. So I really like that they exist. Um, some people don't like them. Some, some men think it's very distracting to have something on their penis, but each to their own. These all exist because they work for different people. You just got to see what would work for you. All right. Next one, number seven, um, would be the anal vibrators. So vibrators designed for those who enjoy anal play. Classically marketed to uh, people with prostates. My advice for anal play is always have something that has a wide base on it. I have friends who are colorectal surgeons and general surgeons. They don't like working at night. Please don't wake them up to have to extract something from your inside rectum. Uh, 
So if you're going to put something in your anus, it uh, should be made specifically for play for that and usually come with a wide base. Same safety advice for any cock ring. And it should be something that can be cut off or silicone. Anything that is metal, that then the penis swells and you can't get it off or you fall asleep and then it swells and you can't get it off. That is a trip to the hospital to find um, diamond bit drill bits. Ask me how I know. Or true story. If you've, if you've made it to the last end of this podcast, you get my true story. Okay, so several years ago, somebody used a... This is this happened to me. This isn't like I read this in a book. Somebody used a medical, sorry, not medical, used a motorcycle grade, like motorcycle um, spring coil. And it got stuck on his penis. He left it on for a couple of weeks thinking it was going to fall off or come off. And it didn't. He basically eroded his skin. So it was down to like the corpora of his shaft. The, in, the ER called me and I was basically like, yeah, you're you're messing with me. Why don't you just just pull it off? And the ER doc was like, "Uh, no, I don't think you understand this. I don't think you understand the situation. He needs anesthesia." And so I saw him, and I'm like, "Yep, he needs it." And this is like automotive grade steel, you guys. So he comes in. This is like basically every urologist, like not worst nightmare, but like, oh my gosh, you got something stuck on the penis. So I called, we had no, no like crushers or metal graspers that would like cut this. So I called the fire department asking for the jaws of life. I've never seen the jaws of life. I think they're very big. I think they open car doors, but basically they weren't helpful. <laughs> so I was like, can you come and help cut a motorcycle coil off of a penis? And they're like, no. And so then I called our level one trauma center, which is not in the town I'm at but called like the one level one trauma center in our state and got the on-call urologist, told them the story. And they were basically like, um, my specialty is oncology. I'm just covering call and I don't know how to help you. And I was like, great. And so then I called ortho, like the orthopedic surgeons because they use diamond tip drill bits. And uh, so they came in and I basically like protected the penis and like, helped them while they basically were cutting through metal. And this was such a strong coil that you can cut through, think of like cutting through the entire top of it, but then it wouldn't peel open because it was still such a strong piece of metal that was like reinforced coil. You basically had to like flip it over and then cut through the entire backside of it in order to like break it off in two pieces, right? But by the time we'd gotten through the top side, we had burned through all of the diamond tip drill bits in the hospital. We literally had to go get more than I, and this is like, of course, none of this, none of this happens during banker's hours, people. It's things getting stuck up your bum, things getting stuck on your penis. This is not a nine to five job. So like, we can't just go get more drill bits for the operating room. So we actually had to like, wake them up, get more, we got more the next day, thank goodness. And then took them back, did the other side and basically in two pieces, take this thing off. That was weird. How did I go from anal vibrators to motorcycle coils? Not many people can do that. I think I think an Emmy is in, in, in the running here. So I love you guys so much. Do not hurt yourself is the moral of all these stories. And I hope I've made you smile and I hope I've made you brave and I hope you go online. And if you want to, if you want to support an amazing female owned, all inclusive 
sex store, go to winkwinkboutique.com. She's my friend. She's amazing. She's gotten a lot of flack from some news sites and uh, actually has been treated pretty poorly for wanting to provide accurate, medically-based, knowledgeable, inclusive sex education to people, all, all the people. And it's like, dude, if we were doing, if we were already doing this, if like families were taking care of this and the schools were taking care of this and everybody's already taking care of this, like she wouldn't have this job to do, right? It's not great out there. She's trying and she's gotten a lot of flack. So well curated, if you live in Washington state, come up and support her business in person, but otherwise go online, winkwinkboutique.com. Support her well curated, um, list of all different vibrators. There's also vaginal dilators on there for people with pelvic pain, vaginismus. Um, if you have not penetrated in a while and you're getting your skin in shape with vaginal estrogen and you just need some dilation to get the, the vagina used to it, she has some nice high quality silicone graded sequential dilators on her website as well. So winkwinkboutique.com. Do her a favor, show her love and support. So thank you to everybody for listening to the podcast. I love you. Tell me what you want. Now that I can now that I can do a podcast about vibrators, like which ends in anal vibrators going to motorcycle coils, like what can I do a podcast on? So let me know what you need and uh, I'll see if I can provide it. Love you guys so much. And please remember, you are not broken. Oh, one more thing I forgot to tell you. Next podcast next week is going to be interviewing the CEO of Mystery Vibe, which is a vibrator company. So just figured that's very fitting. After me doing Intro to Vibrators 101 this week, we're going to interview a literal CEO of a vibrator company because that's cool. And I do cool things because I have a podcast. So I hope you see me there and see me in the membership first. Hey friends, if you love what I'm doing on this podcast and love who I'm interviewing, I want to encourage you to join the private membership where you get a front seat pass with all of my interviews and you can even ask them questions. In addition, there's going to be group coaching with me and my upcoming guest coach to take this work, to go deeper, to live your best sex and love life. Join today at www.kellycaspersonmd.com membership. I'll see you on the inside.